my father came to india in 1947 through the partition and he was 12 years old when he came to india with with merely the clothes on his body uh, he had a family of 10 and his mother so she had actually uh, soon 50 rupees on the inseam of his shorts uh, that's the money that they had 50 rupees for a family of 10 who landed in india on you know 15th august Welcome to the second season of the Absolutely Right podcast, the first graphology-based podcast show in India. I am your host Aditi Sarana. I am a graphologist and a high-performance coach. The first hundred episodes of the show definitely taught us a lot, but the most important lessons that we have learned is to understand the impact our work is having. Thank you so much for all your love, all your trust, and adulation through this process. some people some of our listeners thought that we are ending the show with our season 1 and it was overwhelming to read some of your heartfelt messages suresh from dubai said i was heartbroken to hear that it was your last episode i paused for a while and couldn't grasp the f- next 5 minutes of the episode i had to stop and hear it all over again then to understand that you are starting the next season thank you suresh Anjana from Pune said absolutely right episodes are part of my weekly routine and my weekly dose of calmness. Thank you. A young teacher Juera from South Africa said graphology is helping her deal with her teenage students better. She says she is less irritated with them. You know I cannot tell you how these small everyday stories of personal change are so meaningful for me. I believe it takes a lot for anyone to stay committed to these small in a way negligible but massive personal growth changes having said that if we set our minds to something no matter how big or small the task is we can do a lot american artist kerry james marshall is famous for his paintings of black figures he once said i don't believe in hope i believe in action there are always going to be complications but to a large degree everything is in your hands i cannot agree more to a large degree no matter what happens in front of you in your life a lot of things are in your hands you can always decide how to react create an impact whether to quit give up or learn rise and suit up all i would say is i am committed to inviting some fascinating people as a guest on the show people who chose to walk the precarious path and no matter what happened they truly believed that creating your life is always in your hands which by the way is the theme of season 2 Yes, you know, when you say when you look at handwriting and graphology, a lot can happen with your handwriting. So creating your life is always in your hands. I'm loving it. You may already know on the absolutely right Wednesday episode, I use graphology to interview some path breakers, change makers, inspiring leaders and entrepreneurs. Their stories are transformational, inspiring, and in a way infectious. And by the way, in this season on the absolutely right bite size friday solo episodes i will help you declutter your mind deal with your anxiety and cultivate a routine followed by some of the most brilliant minds in the world handwritten journaling you got it right i have been speaking about it forever i will give you new journaling questions each week the simple routine will help you deal with some of your most complicated challenges especially with a tadka of graphotherapy to it without further ado let me introduce you to our guest today 
As a doctor, his visionary approach towards women's health has helped bring a change and improve the health outcomes and health indices in the country. Besides being a successful entrepreneur, he is a global traveler, amateur chef, travel photographer and a DJ. Yes, you heard it correct. A trained DJ. Founder and Managing Director of Suburban Diagnostics, Dr. Sanjay Arora is known to be a leader in the diagnostics and healthcare industry. He has trained at the esteemed Tata Hospital, Johns Hopkins Hospital and Henry Ford Hospital in the US. By the way, he recently started his own podcast show, Unburden Your Health with Dr. Sanjay Arora. As you listen to this episode, make sure that you listen to our popular segments of the show, autograph please where i will be looking at dr sanjay's unusually legible signature i am saying that because he's a doctor he's supposed to have this illegible writing isn't it i will describe how he is misunderstood by people around him as many of you have requested to see the actual stroke formation as i describe it we will be releasing these episodes as a video format on youtube every wednesday and friday you can subscribe to our youtube channel at aditi surana Now let's jump straight into my conversation with Dr. Sanjay Arora, the managing director and founder of Suburban Diagnostics right away. Hi Sanjay, welcome to our show. I am so excited to talk about your handwriting especially because you mentioned how handwriting is an integral part of your life and your personality. Please tell me from your perspective why do you like to write? Aditi, thank you so much uh, you know for inviting me to be part of your show. I, you know I've been excitedly waiting uh, for this opportunity thank you uh, mainly so you know for two reasons one is my fascination for the word aditi uh, <laughs> you know i have a daughter by the same name okay. uh, so that's a you know first line of connect and the second is handwriting i have always prided myself with my handwriting right from school days okay uh, friends who have known me since childhood uh you know i've always said that they hated me because uh, the teacher would always take my notebook and show it around you know why can't you write as neatly as sanjay does why can't you have your books you know well written like him mm-hmm. and i have one incident where i was in class 4 and i remember this very clearly mm-hmm. uh my class teacher uh you know took my book around and you know went around the class uh showing everybody see this right. is how it should be written okay and and we were on the fourth floor of uh, the school building and she picked up two notebooks of two students and just threw it out of the window really and uh, actually and <laughs> she made them go down as a punishment to go and get the book she just flung the book out of the window because they were, said as a because am, the handwriting was not good <laughs> i'm totally judging that teacher right away like what <laughs> so i have this line i so, use it a lot no body shaming when it comes to handwriting so no yeah no, no absolutely <laughs> i think uh, it was more embarrassing for me despite just being i think 8 years old at that time yeah uh, 8 or 9 years old uh, but I, that that is still very very vivid in my memory you know um, it's so many years ago but i still remember that and uh, there used to be another friend of mine in school uh, neelab call from okay. kashmir and he and i used to always you know compete whose handwriting was better and you know and i always admired neelab for his handwriting very 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 good and when you write with a fountain pen or an ink pen um i think it takes your handwriting to a completely different level i agree uh, i don't think people today even know what a fountain pen is Uh, people sometimes don't even know what a pen is 
Yes. Yeah, I was about to say, I think that is more appropriate. Having said that, graphologically speaking, when you write with a fountain pen or anything that has flowing ink as, as a fundamental way of writing, it, it alters your pressure. It You start writing in a softer uh, pressure. You do not exert, you know, because you're concerned so, about the nip and the flow breaks. So I recommend that people should write with a ballpoint pen. Right. And many, many of my clients really really don't like me saying that because they have this whole collection that they they take pride in and then I suddenly show up and I say I don't think you should be using it because it alters your pressure so yes <laughs> <laughs> and the other aspect is you know as a doctor you are expected to have bad handwriting right so it's like a contradictory so, life for you yeah yeah so they say are you really a doctor <laughs> I mean because your handwriting is so good so obviously you are not really a doctor you know so I say, well there are exceptions to the rule. So to all our listeners, I keep telling people that please look for a doctor whose handwriting is legible. That is a sign of integrity. So yes, you have found one already. <laughs> Thank you, Aditi. Thank you. Now, uh, first thing that came to my mind when I looked at your handwriting was your capital letter I. Now, it's not any capital letter, but this one, which is we call graphologically personal pronounced I, where you say I am Sanjay or when you describe anything that you're doing. Now, that I is essential because it talks about not only you as a person, which it does, but it also talks about your connection with your parents, with your mother oh. and father and how influenced you are and how supported you felt. So before I talk about anything specifically in your handwriting, you know, that stood out because both your parents really worked very, very hard for you to build yourself the way you have. And even your siblings, if you have any. Spot on, spot on, spot on. I mean, wow, wow. I can just say, wow. Um, and you and I are interacting for the first time, but, you know, again, people who know me best, I'm an open book, you know, so uh, what you see is what you get. And I express myself very, very freely. Mm-hmm. Uh, and everyone knows that I am where I am purely, purely because of my parents. Oh. Uh, you know, my my father, as I say, is the wind beneath my wings. Wow. Uh, I stand here. I sit here. I am existing today. Of course, they gave me birth. But after that, I mean, unbelievable amount of commitment, dedication, perseverance, focus in bringing up both my sister and myself. My sister, I have a younger sibling, mm-hmm. Uh, was about five years younger to me, but 20 years ahead in life, you know, <laughs> her, her thinking is, you know, much more forward. Uh, so both my sister and myself, you know, uh, you know, we are the best parents in the world. Absolutely. And, and, uh, and I must say that you're not saying it because they're your parents, but I must bring some aspect of how dedicated they were in everyday choices. It is not a generic idea of bringing up kids, but making sure that your values or your upbringing was designed, which very few people can achieve. They desire to do it, but very few parents can achieve that. So that dedication is commendable, definitely. No, I can I can relate to it by giving you one incident. Uh, Please. Probably one of the biggest incidents. Um, my father came to India in 1947 through the partition. Okay. He was, both of them are born in what is now Pakistan. Okay. And he was 12 years old when he came to India with, with merely the clothes on his body. Okay. Uh, he had a family of 10. And his mother, uh, my grandmom, was you know a very wise woman. So she had actually uh, sewn 50 rupees on the inseam of his shorts. He was wearing half pants or shorts. And she had taken, she had 
you know, remove the seam and then put 50 rupees inside it and sewed it back. Uh, that's the money that they had 50 rupees for a family of 10 who landed in India uh, uh, on, you know, 15th August or just, uh, just, just around that 1947, going through the entire oh trials and tribulations of that partition. Their train was stopped and shot at. Uh, my dad's aunt got injured in the leg. Uh, so they went through and they lived in a refugee camp for a few months before they could start their life. So as a result of this, you know, my father had to start working at a very young age. Mm. Uh, so he never really got an opportunity to do formal education. Right. He did night schooling mm. uh, to finish his uh, primary education. And then at the age of 37, when my sister was already there, uh, he did his MBA. And then at the age of 82, he did his PhD. Oh my God, that's inspiring. That's yes. unbelievable. Wow. Yes. yes. Wow. And, but then when I was born, uh, he enrolled me for India's premier boarding school or one of India's premier boarding schools mm. uh, called Mayo College in Ajmer. Okay. And, uh, you know, was convinced that uh, a sound education is the best foundation you can give to any child. Right. Uh, and because he sort of had to struggle in, during his childhood, mm. he made sure my sister and I got the best. So we went absolutely to the best schools. Uh, and then I went to India's premier boarding school when... Uh, you know, my family could not even afford it. And everybody at that time had the feeling that boarding school is meant only for children who are, <laughs> you know, naughty, not disciplined. No. Here I was a, you know, topper in my school and, you know, I, I did well in school. Right. Uh, but he was very convinced that that's going to be a great experience for me. So for the, for the years that I was in boarding school, uh, my family did not buy any new clothes. They did not go for any dinner outside. They did not go for any holiday. They did not do anything that was, you know, would have allowed them to spend any money. Everything was uh, saved and, you know, and, and dedicated to my education. Uh, I mean, so I, so it's, so, you know, what you just said, I'm sure it, you know, reflects back in what I'm giving you as an example. And there are so many of them, there's so many of them, but this was probably the biggest one I could you know, share with you. Wow, that's amazing. Thank you for sharing that story because so many times we all forget, you know, how our parents have contributed and we, we take things for granted. So thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that story. The next thing that came to my mind when I looked at your writing is a stroke in your letter M. You know, when you write your letter M, it's very rounded. It has like, you know, even the lowercase M has those two loops, uh, two humps, which are broad and circular in in their shape now anybody who writes letter m like that is a collector of information of uh, anything that interests you i'm sure you have many many books that one day you will read you're yet to reach and and read all of them but yes you keep collecting books you keep collecting things so the physical uh I would say acquisition, but at the same time, connection with things and having them around you really, really matters to you. I don't know if my wife spoke to you before this or not. <laughs> you know, so, <laughs> <laughs> so um, wow. I mean, I'm just so amazed. Aditi, fantastic. Thank you. You know, it could not be more spot on again. Um, <clears throat> so when I moved into our new house, you know, there are two things that I showcase very okay. with a lot of pride. Okay. Actually, now now three things. Okay. The first thing is my collection of CDs. Okay. So in today's day and age, when everybody is on on digital music, right? I have a collection of 
I, I from my first CD again. I I can tell you which was the first <laughs> CD that my father bought me in the early eighties, uh, oh, and I still have that CD. Uh, you had a CD in early eighties. Yeah. So exactly. So you know that's how my introduction to music came very yeah. early in life. Okay. And uh, so I had a CD player, and my father had gone to London on on work, and then he told me. So I told him I want this particular CD. So he went to London and he got me that CD, and I still have that. And after that, of course, my collection of CDs has just continued to grow. So whenever friends come over, first thing they do is open that cupboard and see, wow, you still have so many CDs. <laughs> and right next to that is a small library that I have built. And what is small? Sh- what is small? <laughs> <laughs> Small is a very relative term. <laughs> so, if you ask Anju, my wife, and she will tell you, please keep him away from any bookstore. Uh, <laughs> we recently traveled from Delhi. We had gone for two days of work, and at any airport, airport you have a yeah. bookstore. You know, <clears throat> seven books is what I bought uh, within a span of ten minutes. And she says, "Tu padta to hai nahi." You know, you don't read most of them. Why do you collect these books? I'll tell him. My M, my M, my M tells me to collect. <laughs> yeah, now blame it on the M. Like it's okay. Blame it on the M. You know, and uh, third thing is, uh, I love wearing ties to work. No, oh, I don't care. So I have a story of uh, a tie that I got uh, via post. So there was a there's a site, Italian site called giftties. dot com. Okay. And this again, I'm talking about maybe uh, late eighties, early nineties. uh and uh, i went online and i saw this lovely silk italian tie that i wanted mm-hmm. um so i said okay i want this tie and uh, so i ordered for the tie and i used my credit card not realizing that at that time uh the credit card so this would be in the early 90s then mm. the credit card does not have an international transaction, transaction. yeah so i went ahead and i paid for it on the credit card and whatever the sites at that time probably allowed it then you know my wife who's you know uh, much much smarter than i am and then you know tells me that hey she says you can't use this card uh, you know the bank will you know have a problem and you know foreign exchange issues so you please write to them that you can't uh, order this tie mm. so i wrote back to them that uh, you know by you know by mistake i used my credit card which does not have capabilities for an international transaction so kindly cancel my order and you know i'm sorry i can't order this tie they said uh, thank you for writing back to us uh, but consider it a gift from our side so sweet oh and, uh, and uh, so we we forgot about it he said oh okay you know it's a joke yeah and a uh, few few weeks later small box came with the regular postman it is not courier oh, this is the regular okay. postman <laughs> the postman came and my sister and my wife make fun of me was the postman actually wearing the tie around his neck <laughs> and and i still have that tie with me it's so many years it's up close to maybe little almost 30 years and i've yeah. collected i've collected so many ties so the three things that i show people is the, the collection of ties the collection of cd's and the collection of books that i have and you know you hit it spot on i'm an, i'm embarrassed about the collection of clothes that i have also but <laughs> we'll keep that for another day but uh, Uh, perfect. I mean, I'm a hoarder. I'm a hoarder. I, I know. I once it comes to me, it doesn't go out. <laughs> so you know, we we we're gonna do this. We're gonna create a special access to spouses of our guests to talk to me. 
<laughs> about things i speak about so sanjay over to you what questions do you have for me so uh, you know uh, what i was told uh, that you you will be able to tell me about my personality uh, about my leadership style uh, you know let me start by saying that leadership is for me like an acquired skill and uh, each day i try and try to become a better version of myself mm-hmm. uh, because i don't think you can you can actually perfect that uh, when when anju and i started our company 27 years ago it was just the two of us mm-hmm. and we had a very small team so it was almost about working with people mm-hmm. and then from you know 2 to 20 to 50 to 100 today we have close to 1200 people that work with us uh and i'm i'm you know less of a a medical professional and more a, a administrative professional an entrepreneur yeah so you know uh it's always interesting to learn you know that what should be my approach with people uh, people tell me that i am extremely naive i trust people very easily uh and sometimes uh it comes back to hit me as well so maybe would like to get your perspective on you know uh, is there something in my handwriting that you feel i should uh, learn from that will allow me to become a more effective leader uh, you know where i can instill trust uh, uh, but at the same time you know uh, be careful about uh, over trusting okay so what a great question like my my favorite question to talk about leadership and and all the aspects especially trust now before i say anything i want to talk about one particular letter in your writing which is letter o lower case o most of the time you know when we write in a connected style in any form of cursive any connected style suddenly the o loops people think because of my connections these loops have internal knots in it in your case your handwriting is one mostly disconnected but it also has very clear o letters the letter o does not have any internal hook or loop inside that okay. talks about the person who is very frank and clear at heart now whatever you do and even in negotiations even when you are supposed to you know project and say certain things and and pretend in a particular way you say things as is you believe that if i got to go through this deal and do certain things i need to put all my cards in my order you won't be like naive in that sense so naive is not the word i won't agree with that i think okay. you are highly observant of people and even if you when you say that you trust them there is this constant observation that is going on so all the people where you felt that your trust was broken it wasn't a surprise for you you had observed those minute tendencies and behaviors because you are sure. highly observant and even if you give a task to someone you're not your trust is not blind sure you look at things and you but you don't want to mistrust anybody unless until they prove you otherwise absolutely so you know i attended a session with uh, jim collins he's a very mm-hmm. famous business author and he said that you know you should not have people to earn your trust but they give but they get only one chance to break your trust exactly uh, so i like that a lot and that that resonates very well with me that you know i trust people i don't want them to have to work to earn their trust but then you know, they get one chance but to break it so i so i am like that and you know i am i am somebody who wears my heart on my sleeve um, you know you so, so what you see is what you get and you mentioned about you know being open 
I had a presentation few days back with uh, MBA students in one of the management colleges of Goa, mm-hmm. uh, and I had created a like I said, I was well prepared with my presentation and mm-hmm. you know worked hard with my team, um, and my team helped me build. So there was one concept that I was building with you know our head of marketing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she and I had constructed the whole blueprint on our whiteboard which then our designer captured into a very nice animation, you know. Mm-hmm. And when somebody looked at that animation, they said, wow, this is, you know, great because this is like a diagnostic industry on one slide. Mm-hmm. But when I went to Goa and I, you know, I, sh- I shared the presentation, I told the professor, if you want, if somebody wants this presentation, please give it to them. Then my IT head came back and said, Dr. Rao, you can't do this. This is, this is your blueprint. This is what you have worked for. You can't distribute it freely to everybody, you know. So, I guess something what you just explained. Yep. Uh, the other thing that I wanted to ask you was um, giving feedback mm. is always a challenge for me uh, because I'm always hesitant in, I'm not saying I don't call a spade a spade, but I don't want to hurt, hurt anybody. Mistake. Yeah, I don't want to. <laughs> Perfect. So <laughs> is there something which you could, you know, give me your inputs on about uh, you know, how can I become better at giving feedback to people where it's not personal, but yet it is meaningful. Okay. Uh, so first thing, are you a direct person? Yes, you are. So many times you end up saying things the way they are. And most people are not ready to take it. Most people want to go around it. They want to, you know, say things in, in a softer manner. So you have been forcefully training yourself to be really, really soft and not say things in, in a rude manner. I'm sure your wife has played an important role in correcting lots of your mannerisms Absolutely. when it came to not knowing. So so this is, this is where the challenge is. You being very, very clear in your thoughts about whatever you want to go and what you want to do, then being very clear about your intent that you really want to help the other person and being direct is a lethal combination. Because when we put all these things together, the right. feedback can go really pointed. Another aspect of your feedback and overall your leadership style is your intuition, which very few people are aware of. So many things are not logically driven, but you do see the gaps and you know you can read between the lines in, in ways that are only known to you. So right. thereby, when you're giving feedback, you see the three steps that the person will walk and fall or fail. So in order to protect the person already, you become really invested in giving feedback. And this is where the challenge is, because if people can't see what you can see, it becomes extremely difficult for them to believe what you're saying. So amazing, amazing. Again, I mean, you know, uh, I could not have explained it better because uh, I work so much on gut feel. Yes, so much on gut feel. Um, And uh, a large part of building my enterprise, building the organization, working with people is that gut feel or that instinct or intuition. Do I get a good feel? Do I get a good vibe? Uh, You know, and yeah, I visited one of my centers uh, just a couple of days back and you know uh, my senior leadership team always tells me that doc uh, you know be careful in uh, you know going two levels below and trying to you know help them or talk to them because you overindulge sometimes you know and uh, but like you said you know that I'm able to uh, you know I've done this and I can maybe sense uh, some sort of a journey and I'm just trying to nudge them in that direction 
maybe sometimes it's taken as being overindulgent. So, no, point well taken. Thank you so much for sharing that. Also, really most of nice. the time, people think intuition is about that, you know, random feeling. But more I work with people, especially leaders, the gut feel, especially the decision-making gut feel that, that we developed is by multiple occurrences that you have gone through, the numerous experiences that you have lived through. And Absolutely. after seeing the pattern over and over again, it becomes predictable by the observation and that's the brain's capacity to deal with this information. So it, it is not a random spiritual idea here, but here it is an experience skill that is built over the years. So it feels like a gut feel, but it's actually your, your trained muscle that you're counting on. So. Sure, absolutely. So, so, so true. And you know, one other thing that linked to this, I wanted to check was about, <clears throat> you know, being uh, fair, being equitable. Um, so, you know, I'm a very inclusive person, and I would like to hear people in before you know we take. So, it's not about me and I; it's about we always. Mm. Uh, but sometimes that is seen by people that you know uh, I'm not being. Uh, I'm, I wouldn't say spineless. When I need to stand up, of course I will. Uh, but maybe I give, you know, maybe too much of um, freedom freedom to people to express themselves, and then it's more a collective decision rather than me taking a decision. Uh, maybe some thoughts from you on that, if that's come out in any way. So I think what you just said takes genuine work at personal level and also being self-aware to make a leader like this who is one inclusive, also willing to accept his mistakes, which you are most of the time. Uh, also, uh, being inclusive in your case means that sharing the responsibility. So when it comes to doing the work, it's not your idea being executed, but people who work towards it are, right. are benefiting and learning and growing together. That whole sense of family matters to you a lot. So is it coming from low self-esteem? Is it coming from genuinely being humble is your question, as I understand. I mean, it's definitely not low self-esteem. I think, um, uh, you know, uh, I am very proud of, you know, whatever I have done and what we have achieved as a family, as an organization, you know, absolutely no question. And this, is there a lot more to do? Uh, you know, have we reached the top? Absolutely not. There's a lot more to do. Uh, but definitely, I, I don't think, you know, I have that evident, that element of low self-esteem, I think. So uh, I want you know, to add, I want to give you a stroke here. So if you look at the way you write T and H letters next to each other, every time you do that, the letter H is is sometimes taller than the letter T and sometimes the letter T is taller than the letter H. Now, if the letter H is always taller, that shows tremendous amount of learnability, which you have partially. So when you are in that learnable zone, you are willing to drop things, do whatever it takes. You know, it's literally like your journey with everything that you do. And then there's also other side when you become like, okay, let me just pause and think through. So it is a both-way journey. It is not a one-way journey the way people understand. You are learnable. You are open. You are very self-aware. But when it comes to authority and putting your foot down, you do that. So I do not see that as a challenge. I feel it is a, it is a choice. You know how we call situational leadership? Yes. Or in Sanskrit, we say samadama dandabheda niti. So you've right. got to use all the tools required. So when you require authority, you become that. And when you require to become a student and become humble and be as receptive as you require to be, right. definitely that trait is open. 
So I don't see that as a challenge. And people think you do it by default. I do not agree with them. I think you do oh, it as a choice. Yeah, I guess you know, as you said that it's a it's it's a series of experiences over so many years that teaches you uh, how to become more adaptable to a situation, how to respond to it better. And one example is that <clears throat> I'm known for my short temper, um, mm-hmm. and uh, you know I have a very sh- short fuse. Okay. Uh, but um, you know, I've worked. I've worked very hard at uh, you know trying to be more um, respectful of people, of not you know uh, sort of shouting my mouth off, uh, of you know uh, being sensitive to uh, the words that I use, uh, on how I use them, in front of whom I speak. It's not perfect. I still do it sometimes. I've worked a lot, so people who saw me maybe. 20 years ago and who see me today, they find a dramatic difference in the way I, you know, deal with the same situation, you know, less anxious, uh, less stressed, uh, and maybe a little more patient also. Mm-hmm. But then there are some people who also say that uh, Dr. Arora, strength comes, you know, you, so when you are, you know, at your, not angry best, but, you know, at that, in that, in that zone. Aggressive, think, tiger. Aggressive, zone. yeah. So if, you know, you are, you are also at the edge. You are making people also at the edge. It sort of generates that kind of momentum. Uh, but I think the role that I am playing today is more of being a coach, a guide, a mentor, uh, a sounding board, uh, and not somebody who should be, you know, putting people down or, you know, critical. Because I am a perfectionist. That's the way I look at it. I don't know if that's coming out in the words or not, but I am I am a perfectionist. I try and do everything really well. Uh, you know. Uh, if I if I can't do it, I'd rather not do it at all. So I guess sometimes that that comparison always comes, uh, and I'm, I'm I'm trying to become better at that. Okay, so perfectionism is about not making mistakes or fearing making mistakes, whereas your in your case it is more of pursuit of excellence. So if you're doing something, it has to be done in the best possible manner, and that's the pursuit. Like it's not about whether people like it or not, whether they appreciate it or not. You want to make sure if it leaves your desk. It has to be your best possible shot. I think this is where it comes from. So perfectionism Absolutely. from fear-based is not our concern here. But yeah, it's not fear. It's it's just to just to tell myself that I did the best I could. Absolutely perfect. right. Perfect, perfect, perfect. Absolutely. So when we look at impatience, in your case, I agree with you. Impatience is a concern. And even for our listeners and even for you, there's one particular stroke that I speak a lot about called flow of thoughts, where we really use mind and body coordinated handwritten movement to actually calm your mind. I'm going to send you the link. And I'm also going to mention that in our description box for our listeners to take a look and give it a shot. Because so many times we think uh, temper is about uh, me figuring out why am I getting angry? Why is it happening? Why am I impatient? And anxiety is a lot to do with your bodily reactions to things. Sure. When we use body, which is handwriting, to calm down certain things, it starts working on your mind on its own. So, so right. many things can be resolved like that. So, let's start the next segment of our conversation, which is about autographs. And I'm, the segment is called Autograph, Please. I'm going to look at your signature and talk about okay. how people misunderstand you. Okay. Okay. So as I do that, please share a story with us if you have had a moment Absolutely. where people totally, you know, did not get your intent there. Right. So 
first thing that comes to my mind because they think that you are this clear minded person or you are open about your ideas they think you are easy to be convinced and that's not true whatsoever very true very true um well it's uh, a yes and no people who get to know me well then i guess uh, you know know that i'm fairly malleable uh you know i'm i'm accommodating uh, I, i will try and so i find saying no very difficult you know i okay. i i i find that a challenge and i want to learn how to, sometimes it's good to learn to say no uh, but, i do but, not fully agree with you i okay. think it's not about <laughs> saying no because most of the time you are known for saying no to people that you know other people were not willing to say no to so you stood there and say okay no matter what the consequences are i'm going to say i'm going to refuse this offer i'm not going to do it so i do yeah. not agree with you fully on no, that i'm 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 quite okay i guess i'm used to taking some hard calls in life you know you have to do that uh, because not everybody will be comfortable in taking those hard decisions i'm okay to do that yes so saying uh, no is not a challenge probably more you're getting invested in the thought of not hurting the other people that is becoming a challenge true. but knowing you and now knowing your personality saying no had never been a problem now not hurting people while saying no and taking that new realm into consideration is becoming a challenge for sure Right. True, true. No, I guess yeah. So I mean, uh, people know I'm malleable. Perhaps uh, not easy to convince, but uh, some some of the people who worked with us for a long time uh, think that if I go to Doctor Ora, he'll probably say yes. But yeah, I mean, they have to go through the grind now, and yes, <laughs> they have to they have to prove themselves. You know that yes, I, it's it's truly worthwhile for us to work together. Yes, yeah, so definitely. So the grind is crucial. Is very very important, and most people do not understand. So they either give up too soon, or they have all these ideas of oh, it's going to be easy. It's going to be simple. It is simple once they cross the test, but okay. the test is really difficult. True. True. Perfect. Thank perfect. you so much for joining us today. And if you have any other question, if you have why why graphology works, how does it work? Everything is mentioned in a few short episodes that we have created along with our episode here. So please write to us. My email ID is right w r i t at aditisrana dot com. You can ask all the questions required. I know this topic is slightly complicated for people to have their first connect with, but give it a shot. It is a great experiment to look at. Thank you so much for sharing this. and i'm i'm sure that you would learn different things and break your own boundaries in different areas that other people would get surprised by no thank you adi thank you for doing this thank you for inviting me on your show and mm-hmm. uh, you know i wish you you know great success uh, you know i encourage other people to follow uh, what you are doing and you know take help from you and uh, happy to you know be have been a part of this journey with you thank you so thank much you. for doing thank this thank you so thank you much. wish you all the best thank you Thank you so much for joining me on this episode of Absolutely Right. In the next episode on Friday, I will be introducing a special journaling technique called grapho journaling. In the year 2020, more than 1400 people have dealt with their anxiety and insomnia using this super simple and extremely effective journaling method. If you would like to know more about your personality, people, signature in general, join me on my graphology masterclass. Our new batches start on first Saturday of every month. Our next two batches will be starting on 6th of March and 3rd of April 2021. Let's connect on Friday. Till then, happy writing.